Well, on this Christmas Eve, I want to talk to you tonight about the generosity of God. And I'm going to framework a message here that is not quite as Christmassy as you might think it might be, but, um, I mean, Christmas, if you think about it, is woven into every facet of the kingdom of God. The fact that God is with us is so pertinent and so permanent. So at, at this time of year, I know the attention of many is on this historical event when the baby was born in Bethlehem. I get that. And in churches all around the world, this historic occasion is going to get time and attention. In fact, their service might just be all about uh, the birth of Christ. Um, the focus for the churches will be on that because of the name of, that was given, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. God gave. God gave His only begotten Son. He gave Him to us in the form of a baby so that His Son would go through life just as we do. He would start out the way we do as a helpless baby dependent upon others to survive. If Jesus had been left out in the cold to fend for Himself as an infant, He would have died like anybody else. He had to rely on others. He would grow up as a little baby boy having to be educated and trained just as we have to be educated and trained. He'd grow, go through his, his youth into manhood to answer his call. He was called. He would be tempted, just as we are, yet he would not yield to temptation. He remained sinless his whole life, a keeper of the law with perfection. He never violated the law, not even once in his life. Ultimately, he would eventually go to the cross where he would suffer and die, taking on himself the sin of the whole world, which was the reason he was born to start with. Jesus, by doing that, would give a gift. His very own life. He took our sin and in turn gave us his righteousness. The perfect obedience that he knew he imputed to us when we came to him in faith to receive his life. He took our sin. He gave us His righteousness. It's all a gift. All of it is a gift. And at this time of year, the whole world becomes fixated on the idea of gifts. So why not remind them of what God has done? I don't mean babe in the manger. I mean what God has done. He went beyond the manger. Okay? I'm not trying to spoil anybody's Christmas, but the reason we celebrate this is it was the message. What was the angel saying? You know, a Savior is born. They didn't say a baby is born. They said a Savior is born. You know, Christ the Lord. You understand he was Savior and Lord even as a baby? Because prophetically you were viewed, he was viewed by the lens of heaven according to his purpose. So even as a baby, he couldn't go to the cross right then. It wouldn't be appropriate. He had to go through life. But even as a baby, prophetically speaking, he's marked. He's already the Savior. He's already the Lord. Why? Because God has decreed it. And there are things that have been decreed about you and your life. You need to hear that. It might not look like you're that. But if it's been decreed by the Spirit of the living God... That is who you are. That is what you are. And you need to get in touch with that. Amen? Yes. 
Now tomorrow morning in households all over this nation, gifts are going to be exchanged with excitement and anticipation. And tonight, kids all over this nation are going to struggle to get some sleep. They're going to be so excited and curious about what's going to be under the tree. Our, our youngest son, Isaac, drove us nuts until he turned 14. Every Christmas Eve. Multiple times a night getting up until I finally learned how to get him to shut up and go to sleep. I had to threaten his curious George with death. But it was the only way he could go to sleep, so surely you understand my plight. I was sleep deprived. I was not in my normal state of, of mind. So kids are going to be like that. It's, it's almost like they've been hyped up on sugar, even if they haven't. Because for kids, it's what's going to be under that tree on, on that morning, right? So many are going to wake up early if they slept at all and run into a room and begin the tradition at tearing off paper that hides the big secret. Is it the thing I really wanted? I had a question for you tonight. Is Jesus the thing you really wanted? Is he what you really wanted? Because that was God's Christmas gift to you. Jesus. All of you know what it's like. Kid opens a package. It's a pair of socks. If you've ever seen the movie A Christmas Story, you know what they do with them. They throw them over the shoulder and go to the next thing. In the hopes that it's the one thing they really want. The one thing. The one thing they really want, right? And kids aren't the only ones that are like that. Adults can be that way too. Just think about it. Just think how greatly people of all ages desire gifts. Right? Why do we desire gifts so much? Because we're greedy? Maybe for some, I don't know. But for the most part, for, for a lot of people, a gift from somebody more typifies that they care about you, that they think about you, that they love you. That's the point, right? Why do you give gifts to others? Because you love them. You want them to know that you think about it. You want them to know that they have a place in your life and in your heart. And you give them a gift. It's the most natural thing there is to enjoy being surprised by somebody who's got your best interest at heart, knows you well, wants to bless you with something they believe you're going to enjoy or be able to use. Unless it's a live straw. <laughs> I'll never forget that Christmas. It's a statement of caring. She cared enough that when I was in Haiti, I would not dehydrate. So she gave me a life straw. <laughs> that gift is a statement of caring, having someone in your thoughts and having a desire to bless them, right? So another natural phenomenon at this time of year is the art of outdoing. Right? In many homes, this practice is going to unfold. See, inevitably, there's going to be a competition of sorts as to who can give the best gift. Who can give the best gift? Not only is there a desire to receive a gift, there's a desire to give the best gift to someone. And that one gift, you know, that, that they swoon over after they open it. It's not the one that gets shoved to the side, on to the next, 
They spend a moment, right? Everybody wants to be that person that gets that gift. Now, when you love a person and you desire greatly to bless them, you want to hit a home run when you give them a gift. You just do. You want them to realize how well you know them, how much you care for them, how thoughtful you can be towards them. Now, are these examples connecting with anybody? Are they connecting with... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> She's done great since the last Now, what if I were to tell you that you can have that gift giving and receiving excitement Christmas produces 52 times a year? What if I told you that? Would you be interested in hearing how? But see, to get there, you've got to shift gears. You have to shift gears. What if I told you that 52 or more times a year, there is someone who desires to give you gifts that will surprise you, bless you, excite you, make you feel greatly loved while empowering you to make others feel greatly loved? What if I told you that? Are you interested? See, on Christmas, to get all those lovely and exciting gifts you like so much, you generally have to go where the family gets together. Isn't that right? My youngest son doesn't come around a whole lot. But if it's his birthday or it's Christmas, I'm guaranteed to see him. And it's not because he's bringing something for me. Because he never does. And I'm okay with that. It's because... In his mind, he thinks, my dad's going to have something. My mom and dad are going to have something for me. I'm going to go by and see him. It's my birthday. I wonder if he'll give me some money. It's Christmas. I wonder what they got me. So he knows that if we did happen to get him something, if he wants it, he's going to have to show up. He has to show up where it's given out, where it's distributed and administrated. Are you hearing me? You have to be where the ones who love you come together to celebrate the occasion, share a meal, and then share whatever gifts they, they have for one another. See, the same is true to get what I'm going to reveal to you today. You see, to, to get the gifts that are being offered... You have to be where they're being offered. But that's not the point of my message today as much as the opportunity of gift receiving and giving is. That's my focus. And it's not about just Christmas. It's about a way of life. You see, God is a generous God and He loves to give good things. That means every person in the Godhead is generous. They share the same nature and character. They're the same. They share it together. They're one. And that's why Jesus gave gifts which are revealed in Ephesians 4. The generosity of the Godhead revealed in the Son, Ephesians 4. It's why the Holy Spirit gives gifts revealed in 1 Corinthians 12. The generosity of God revealed in the Holy Spirit. And it's why the Father gave us the Son and gives gifts as well that are revealed in Romans 12. The Father is generous and gives gifts 
We belong to a generous God who loves extravagantly. And he's not looking for ways to withhold from us as though he somehow gets kicks by teasing us with nothing. It's not his way. As I was preparing this message, I didn't put it in it, but I kept hearing in my spirit, from the Holy Spirit, the words of Jesus. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. You know what that statement says? Jesus was willing, but the people weren't. Never let it be said that Jesus isn't willing. Jesus is willing. It's usually the people who are not. The problem is never with Jesus. The problem is never with the Holy Spirit. The problem is never with the Father. The willingness, the desire is there with them. It's there. The problem is always with the people. You ever gone out of your way to get a special gift for somebody and then you go to give it to them and say, no, I can't take that, I'm sorry. But I want to bless you. I know, I know, I know. But I just, I wouldn't feel right about this. Just please don't do this. Uh, thank you, though. Thank you for thinking about me. I really appreciate that. I do feel love, but I just can't take that gift. How do you feel? Because you got to that moment thinking, this is going to bless their socks off. When they get hold of this, the things they're going to be able to do, the thing. Are you hearing me? Because right about there, the Holy Spirit wants to make a few connections. See, God's not looking for ways to withhold from us as though that gives Him, you know, joy somehow. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness in Jesus. He is generous. He is generous. He withholds nothing from those. The scriptures reveal a God who wishes to be very involved, who's out for your good, generous in equipping and blessing you, and wants to see you succeed. He wants to see you succeed. But see, too often we're so mixed in with the world culture that our view of succeeding isn't on par with his view of succeeding. Our way of desiring isn't always in step with what he desires to do for us and through us and in us. The Father knows you live in a fallen world filled with challenges but he's prepared to help you overcome every single one of them. And so it became the responsibility of the Holy Spirit 
to comfort and encourage you. And his way of doing this involves some very supernatural, special, supernatural gifts. When I run into people who tell me they've been years in the Lord and they can't find a way to get encouraged, I always want to know, what are you doing? Where are you going? And what are you thinking about the Holy Spirit? Are you open to the gifts? Because see, if you're not, then all you're left with is traditional denominationalism that says that, hey, when we, when we get trashed, when, we get, when we're the walking mat for the world's worst, and, and we're down in the dumps and all that, God's glorified. So long as we don't cuss. I'm kind of upset with the chosen right now. Because they portrayed a Jesus that ain't my Jesus in the latest episode. He's not my Jesus. They missed it. They're trying to cater to a particular group of, of people in the church in that episode. Not one of the apostles' saints was lame or sick. Not even one. Not even one of the Israelites who came out of Egypt in the deliverance was sick. Their sandals didn't wear out. Are you hearing me? There is no way Jesus has got a little James who's using a crutch and told you need to suffer for my glory. As though that's the kind of suffering that fills up the suffering of Jesus. Jesus didn't have cancer. Jesus didn't have... Come on. Jesus' suffering was the persecution of the rejection of mankind against him. When the, when the heathen raged and the nations imagined vain things, that's the suffering of Jesus. And so, trying to wax Christian political and satisfy some people, they portrayed a Jesus that ain't my Jesus. I can't find him in this Bible of mine. If I can't find the Jesus somebody's trying to portray to me in my Bible, then I don't want that Jesus they're trying to give to me. I want the real Jesus. And the real Jesus said something was going to happen when he went to the Father. He was going to give something. He was building up anticipation and desire in the hearts of his desire his disciples you understand what i'm saying i, I used to do this to my kids oh you could wait till christmas morning your mind's gonna be so blown you're gonna be so excited you get me this no i got you something better than that you just wait till christmas morning you can't i can't tell you what it is tell me what i can't tell you what it is if i told you i'd have to take it back and if I took it back, you'd be sad once you found out what it was. You don't want me to take it back. If I find you sneaking and peeking, I'm going to have to take it back. So don't be trying to sneak and peek. Let's just be patient till Christmas morning. But I can't go to side. No, you can't. But you're going to try to, right? Because tomorrow morning is going to be so exciting. Anticipation. What is it? What is it? What is it? What's it going to look like? What does it do? Does it light up? Does it roll around? What? Does it eat anything? I mean, what is it? 
You know what I'm saying? Anticipation. Desire. Jesus was building it up in the hearts of his followers. He knows the kind of world we live in. He knows what we need. So he gave the Holy Spirit. The greatest gift. You see, the Holy Spirit can't be towards us what he is not in his own character and his nature. Did you know that? He can't be the devil towards you. He can't be a thief and a robber towards you. He can't be an abuser towards you. It's not his character and it's not his nature. He is the supernatural power of God expressed. A creation the Father willed. The Son was the Word spoken and the Spirit made it all happen. It was all God because God is one. But each act being carried out expresses the person of each of the Godhead being actively involved just as each is actively involved in our salvation and development. If you say they weren't, then you're going to have to rip out some of the pages of your Bible in Genesis. Because it says the Holy Spirit was brooding over the waters. Well, how is he doing that when God is speaking from heaven? It's not ventriloquism. You know, when Jesus was at the Jordan and the Holy Spirit came to him in the, in the person of a dove, and as represented as a dove, and the Father spoke from heaven, Jesus wasn't throwing his voice. This is my beloved tongue, and I'm well pleased. The Father spoke from heaven. The Son was in the Jordan. The Holy Spirit was represented by a dove. Three in one. All throughout Scripture, anytime that the Holy Spirit is doing His thing, there's something that's supernatural unfolding. Do, do you understand that the Holy Spirit was just involved in your salvation as Jesus was or the Father was? Do you understand that? See, there's an expression of the power of God involved and it brings great encouragement, strength, and hope to a person or a people in a, in a difficult situation. Whenever the Holy Spirit moves supernaturally, people are encouraged. They're emboldened. Now, Jesus spoke a lot about the last days as did Paul. And this is spoken knowing the challenges of being, live, being alive during difficult times and seasons. It's spoken and then the Holy Spirit is brought into the mix of it as our means of comfort, encouragement, and strength to stand and be witnesses for Jesus no matter what's happening in the world. It doesn't matter. And that means we need the Holy Spirit and we need to be open to the way He wishes to bring us the comfort, encouragement, and strength we are so desperate for. We need to be in the same frame of mind for receiving from Him as we are at this time of year when we're receiving gifts from, from others who we know love us. We don't have a problem receiving from people who love us. So why should we have a problem receiving from the Holy Spirit? See, the Holy Spirit loves you more. 
Because He's God. We need to let Him do what is His to do without hesitation. And to do that, we have to walk in faith towards Him just as we must towards Jesus. You see, Jesus revealed the Holy Spirit was promised by the Father, and Jesus commanded His disciples to wait for Him to arrive before going out to do anything. Can I submit to you that Pentecost is just as much like Christmas as Christmas is? Wait. Wait. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. They waited. Jesus had taught them how important the Holy Spirit would be to them and to all believers throughout the ages. The gift of the Holy Spirit is the greatest Christmas gift you'll ever get. He is the means of you moving on in victory regardless of what might be happening in your life that says otherwise. But He does this by administrating His gifts in the body of Christ whenever we're together. And He brings with Him the gifts of the Spirit when we're together. And these gifts are supernatural in nature because they come from His essence. And His essence is supernatural. He's the expression of the power of God. He is not religious business as usual. And because they're supernatural, this is the killer part, no one can take credit for them. See, you can't take credit in order to make a name for yourself as though you made this happen. I realize there are a lot of people who do that in these modern times and have throughout history at times taken advantage of the Holy Spirit moving through them to say it's them. But one sure way to see anointing diminish is to try to put all the light on yourself and not let honor be where it belongs with the Holy Spirit. See, this is why God's not asking how special or important you think you are. He's asking you how available you are. He's not asking how much hair you have, whether you could don the cover of GQ magazine or Vogue. He's not asking you how many books you've written. He's not asking you whether you graduated high school or failed it. He's not asking you how many degrees you have. He's not asking you what your income every year is. He's not asking you what your talent, skills, and abilities are. Those things are not what concerns him. He is supernatural. All he needs is a surrendered, willing vessel and nothing else. So if you're looking to, at yourself, like, you know, he got angry with Moses because Moses kept resisting him at the burning bush. I, 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 I mean, here is a guy being raised up as a prince in Egypt. To say you couldn't speak was nonsense. But all of a sudden when you're told, I want you to go, and, and you're going to speak to Pharaoh and deliver my people. Moses' opinion of himself, now he's looking at himself. He's lost sight of the bush that's burning but not being consumed in front of him. He's, he's in the presence but out of touch with it. 
He's in supernatural presence, but out of touch with it in this moment. And he's offering excuses as to why he shouldn't be the one who speaks to Pharaoh. And the scripture says very clearly that God's anger was kindled against Moses because of his resistance to the fact that God is here supernaturally revealing himself to Moses and making it clear. If I tell you you can go do this, you can go do this. So, ironically, he tells Moses, okay, you can have Aaron speak for you. But who does most of the speaking? When it all shakes out, who does most of the talking? Moses does. He was, he was, he was, an, avail, he was an able-bodied human being with a voice. That, that's all God needed. He needed Moses to go where he told him to go, say what he told him to say, and do what he told him to do. And he could completely set free an entire nation of people through a man doing that very thing. So God is not worried about what you bring to the table and your scope of abilities. God is only interested in you coming to the table. Just come to the table. When the Holy Spirit comes, He brings gifts. Because they're supernatural, nobody can boast. See, there's no boasting that can be done when you're moving in the gifts. It is clearly flowing from a source other than yourself. And therefore, they're of great value to a church body. If you want to know if a church is moving in humility, watch to see how much they're moving in the gifts. They're not in humility because they down themselves degrade themselves, talk less about themselves. They're in humility when they are so submitted to the Holy Spirit, He can use them anytime, any way He wants to in the moment that they're together with the other saints. He's free to do what He wants to do. Because it takes humility to be submitted to someone you know knows better. And has greater power. And is not worried about whether everybody sings your praises when it's over with. Because what he plans to do is going to turn everybody's eyes, hearts, and attention to Jesus. It's what he's going to do. That's why the gifts are of such great value to a church body. They're given to bless others. But somehow when you're used to express a gift, you get blessed too. And this is a year-round weekly gift giving unlike anything at Christmas time. You can't get a, a gift in the natural that compares with gifts in the supernatural. There's just no comparison. So I want to encourage all of us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit anytime and every time we come together. Anytime and every time. It's how we all will receive of his gifts that are meant to bless, encourage, and strengthen us. And I don't know about you, but in these days that we're living in, you're going to need some encouragement and strength. I know I need it. When I see the crazy going on in our world, I'm like, Jesus, come. Holy moly. It's crazy out there, folks. People don't even know what they are anymore. Some think they're dogs and cats. It's insanity. 
the, the loss of touch with reality is alarming. We need the Holy Spirit. And we need His encouragement the way He wants to give it. And I'm trying to set you up for Greg Moore coming. Because one of Greg Moore's primary books is Flowing in the Supernatural. Do you want to flow in the supernatural? You're meant to be a receiver and a giver of the gifts of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father wants to develop and strengthen your character. The Son wants to equip you to be a, a, an able-bodied minister to others. And the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to be a blessing to others. It's how, saints, the generosity of God is manifested. It's how the generosity of God is manifested. You can say nice things to people a whole lot, and it's great. Do it, do it, do it. But there's something even more powerful when you're under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and you're speaking to somebody what He knows they need to hear most. Or when you're releasing a prophecy in a gathering like this, and it is a timely word, seasoned with grace by the Holy Spirit. There's no... There's no replacement for those things. They're powerful. And me standing here before you talking to you like this is all well and good, but it's not everything that you need. You need all that the Holy Spirit wants to give to you. And so I hope to challenge you to start realizing that when you get that little stirring going on on the inside of you when we're together like this, you know, you're kind of being stirred. You may not know what to say. Quit waiting to, to have an entire paragraph before you open your mouth. He wants to teach you to open your mouth in faith and let him fill it. Let him fill it. I guarantee you that if you were to say, the Father just wants to tell you he loves you today and it's the Holy Spirit orchestrating that, as simple as that sounds, Somebody, many somebodies perhaps, are going to be so enriched by that statement. It will blow your mind. It will blow your mind. Never undersell when the Holy Spirit moves you to act or to do or to say. Because when He's doing it, He's doing it with the full wisdom of heaven. He's doing it with His power upon it, working through you. And man, what a gift. Amen? That's what I wanted to share with you today, tonight. It's hard for me to get adjusted. I keep wanting to say morning. And I know it's not the morning. It's Christmas Eve. I know everybody needs to get back and get done. But we have a couple of things to wind up here. I want to just pray a quick prayer for you. Don't forget, next Sunday, Greg Moore is going to be with us. That's going to be a very special time. And uh, I'm just believing that the Holy Spirit wants to do some powerful things in our midst long Greg is with us and if you'll pray into that along with me uh, this week as you're going about your things if you'll pray with me for the Lord to have his way when Greg Moore is here that would be excellent and then pray also Holy Spirit what do you how do you want me to be poised when we're in the gathering when Greg is there what would you have for me not just to receive but to give amen so let's pray father we pray and we ask that this gift of the Holy Spirit would be not just recognized and agreed with, 
but Lord embraced and openly received. Lord greatly desired. Would you set up us in an anticipation like you did for your disciples, Lord Jesus, when you told them to wait for the promise? Would you set us up in our anticipation and in our desire for the Holy Spirit? We ask you to do that mercifully for us. Lord, we admit sometimes it's been difficult for us to have that stirring within us, to have that desire turning over in our hearts and minds as it should. But we're asking you to help us with that according to your mercy. Holy Spirit, we're grateful for you coming on the heels of everything that Jesus did to officiate, administrate authoritatively the covenant that he established with his blood. We acknowledge that before we began this gathering tonight together officially when we partook of communion, Lord, you know that we were acknowledging the body of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and how he said, this is the blood of my new covenant. And we're grateful for this new covenant. But this is a new covenant of the Spirit. You made it clear, it's not a new covenant of law, it's a new covenant of the Spirit. And so we want to be able to, to know what it is to walk according to the Spirit, to walk relying on you, Holy Spirit. And we need help with this, and so we ask you for that. Lord, I'm asking that this would be a, a remarkable Christmas for everyone. Holy Spirit-filled Christmas with our sight, our, our ears, our, everything about us, Lord, tuned to who Christ Jesus is and how significant it was that he kept saying, the Spirit is coming. And you're here. You're here. And we are grateful. We are grateful. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like us to sing a couple.